Hi everybody, my name's Steve Tudor and welcome to the Friday Show. It's the show that's been wearing a Centurion's outfit since Wednesday night and listening exclusively to Haircut 100 and T-Rex's 20th Century Boy. I'm sorry Liverpool, but 100 points is not for everyone. The Reds' hopes of reaching that magic marker were dashed at the Emirates, but before we show too much gratitude to the Gunners for helping ensure our achievement remains unique, we must look to dash their own dreams of FA Cup glory with a semi-final showdown this weekend. Unsurprisingly, that's the subject of this pod, and to discuss this I'm joined today by two guests who are already cup winners in my book. First, live from Sale, Manchester, we have Howard Hocking. Good afternoon, sir. Good afternoon. So the FA Cup's the Invincibles against the Centurions, then? It is. Oh, I like that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Liverpool not invited. <laughs> yeah, we don't have a nickname. <laughs> <laughs> Our second guest today is a debutant, a writer, editor and lifelong gooner who's had the great misfortune of having to edit my many, many typos for Betfair these past few years. <laughs> it's Jasmine Baba. Hey, Jasmine. Uh, hey, afternoon. How are you doing? I'm grand. How's yourself? Uh, I'm a lot better after Wednesday, I have to say. That was unexpected, yeah. Well, I forgot. <laughs> I actually forgot it was happening. And then about 10 o'clock, I thought, oh my God, I've got to check the score. I couldn't believe it. It was wonderful. <laughs> I woke up from surgery and saw that. What? I, 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 yeah, I was just like, oh, I did. I, I was like, I wasn't expecting that. Okay. So actually on Wednesday night, you, you came round from General Aesthetic and then kind of just yeah, I completely missed the match, wow. and I looked at the score, and I was like, "That wasn't supposed to happen after <laughs> what I saw on Sunday. That's, that's not real." Was the footy still dreaming? Yeah, I was like, "Are you sure this is right? I'm not sure this is right." <laughs> <laughs> well, we'll look back at the Liverpool game in part because today we're kind of doing a bit of bit of both, really, looking at City, looking at Arsenal. Um, are the last kind of few weeks since kind of resumption of football and, and of course, mainly looking ahead to this weekend. Um, but before we do so, and before we look ahead to an empty and eerie Wembley Stadium this Saturday evening, I just want to discuss a pet theory that I've had these past few weeks. Um, I'll start with you, Howard. My theory is this. When City were in the ascendancy, when we were winning everything, when we were brilliant, untouchable, we were also, let's face it, quite unpopular um, you know, we'd have our detractors, people would say that we were ruining competition. Some people said we were ruining football. Now that we're no real threat to the league, obviously, because Liverpool have won it, and we're playing some wonderful football, exhibition stuff, given how sterile a lot of the other games are with no crowds, the Premier League needs us right now, don't they? <laughs> well, not just City, but yeah. I'll be honest, it's been... Let's just ignore this week's game now against Bournemouth. Yeah, that was a bit of a drop Yes, true. <laughs> when there's nothing to play for. That ruined really my like theory. <laughs> yeah. No, I mean, honestly, I yeah, when football restarted, I just had no enthusiasm whatsoever. What's slowly got me back into the groove is City playing well. Hmm. You know, just watching, just reminding myself of what this team can do. Uh, and the other thing, that by having every match on, I've realised just how boring most matches are. (laughs) (laughs) Most of the time, I just see them on a match of the day package, and it's like, yeah, true. Just, I mean, I love the gear. I just live, sleep, breathe football, but it's not always interesting. Let's be honest. There's got to be an angle to it a lot of the time to make it interesting. And 
I'm not just sucking up to Arsenal because of our, our guest or the uh, guest today. Please do. <laughs> well, the, the fact is, I'll always, I'll always turn on an Arsenal match, yeah, but true, I yeah. will not turn on a Burnley match. Now, that's not a dig at Burnley because obviously City have got loads of money and it's a lot easier to to build an attractive side uh, if you have so. And Burnley must do what they will do. But I think it does. Help. It really has helped. Um, you know that teams like City are around to to entertain because it makes games for neutrals so much more interesting when you're in an empty stadium, there's so little on the line and you need something to entertain you. You need to keep that attention. I don't think the Premier League would suffer come what may. I mean, it just seems, you know, (laughs) immune to anything really. The brand is immune. It will still be the biggest league in the world. But in these times, more than anything, I think football like this is really appreciated. Well, Jasmine, Howard said he'd always turn on an Arsenal game. Is that for, the same for you with City? Um, it honestly depends on the opposition as yeah. well. Um, uh, Man City do have a tendency to try and play perfect football. Mm-hmm. And that I'm going to go against the grain there, and that doesn't always mean the most attractive. <laughs> um, yeah. But it could also mean that I'm more chaotic. I mean... Come on, I'm an Arsenal fan. <laughs> I I see entertainment in a number of ways. And sometimes that kind of chaoticness isn't present in a Man City match. So if I see something a little bit more evenly matched, I won't always turn on a Man City game. However, it, it is attractive football and it is perfect football sometimes and I, I just like it a little bit more evenly matched. So something like Southampton Man City was interesting to me because Southampton was one of the best teams since the restart or even the latter part of the season. Yeah. And they had a go as well at City. Yes, exactly, which yeah. sometimes you won't find. Well, I mean, I completely understand that point of view. I mean, I hear it from my dad all the time. Um, my dad's a United fan. Um, so you might not expect him to kind of you know <laughs> tune in and enjoy City games, but he loves football, so he would do. But he does always say that it does tend to get boring watching this kind of exactly as you said, kind of perfect football or an attempt to play perfect football. And um, I mean, he'll always watch David Silva. He basically just raves about David Silva, but then say about the rest of the game, well, you know, you just knocked it around the back. Um, and so I guess yeah, it, no, did I? It they do a lot. Yeah, it's true. It's absolutely true. <laughs> Um, so one of the guys who's kind of instrumental in that whole kind of, you know, the, the platform that City have, of course, is Mikel Arteta. Um, so let's discuss him because, you know, he concerns both stories, really, looking ahead to this weekend. Um, Jasmine, how have you found him so far at Arsenal? Do you think that he's getting his project underway now? I mean, Pep has actually said today that he's creating something special at Arsenal. Are you now seeing that? I mean, compared to the dross that we had before, (laughs) I mean, it's not that hard. But um, I'm excited by it. I think there's a lot of positives to take from Mikel Arteta. And it's just the fact that he was an Arsenal man for a good four or five years. um, Won FA Cups under the team. You know, one of uh, the youngest manager in the Premier League one of the youngest across Europe and because 
there is so many more problems than just like the management and the team and there was before and the problems run at board level it is quite satisfying to have someone who has clearly got their head screwed on at Arsenal for the first time in around two years Um, and he's already made his stamp on the team and the way the club do things um i think it's been proven with Gwenduzi and his kind of non-negotiables what Mikel Arteta expects and i think since kind of the ousting of Gwenduzi from not being as perfect as Mikel Arteta wanted him to mm. we've seen a kind of bounce back from the team of how they should be performing how they should be behaving and i think that's something what Arsenal needed um there's still a long way to go but I mean I think everyone's kind of happy we don't have to watch Emery Ball for a second longer (laughs) and we get to watch someone who's learned off Pep Guardiola are you seeing kind of evidence in that you know the kind of uh, the way you set up the way you're kind of um, knocking the ball around I mean you know to be fair of course Arsenal have always done that anyway they've always been a passing side but are, are Arsenal starting to resemble Manchester City or is that too simplistic to suggest that? I think that's a little bit too simplistic yeah. to suggest that. And of course, the team that we have, the kind of money that we put in our team, we put it solely on like Nicola Pepe and no, <laughs> not much else. Um, so a lot of this like underlying numbers compared to their Emery era hasn't really changed as much as anyone would expect. But if you actually watch them, they're sometimes more exciting. Sometimes they're not. Like the second half of the Liverpool match, I've watched back and we just defend, tried to defend and remain resilient out of our own skins. Um, against Tottenham, we were awful. It, it's yeah. just little things like that, really. But he does have a fit more attacking philosophy compared to something like Emery, which was no philosophy at all Um, and you can see the little changes it might not show in the stats but actually watching the team you go actually this game's exciting actually we won this game and if you take in account from when Arteta took in charge we've got the fifth best points tally seven points behind Man City so actually you know something's working well, absolutely. I mean, I've, I've noticed myself a, a kind of a significant improvement. And particularly, I mean, when you come back from, you know, that horrible turn project restart, um, the first two results were pretty woeful, weren't they, against Brighton and City. Um, and there's a lot of misfortune and losing players. It looked like it could go awry. Um, but it just does seem now, looking from the outside in, that he is getting things back on track. I mean, the Spurs game, yeah, it was a poor performance, but and it doesn't help, of course, it was in a derby. But yeah, as you said, he maybe he just doesn't really have the players at his disposal yet, which kind of brings me to the next point because you mentioned the board there, uh, Jasmine. So Arteta said this week that it's a big concern how little money will be made available to him to rebuild the Gunners um, and get the squad that he wants. Um, is that a significant problem going forward? Yes, but I, I think I would be more worried about you know money going in the wrong way just like Nicola Pepe and we didn't we bought him but we didn't really replace 
Aaron Ramsey, Meza Ozil, we don't know what exactly is the problem. He's not being picked. Mm. He's not normally not in the squad and we've not really he's you know past his peak. It's not replacing those creative players. The good thing is that Arteta looks like a person who can work with the youth that we've got coming yeah. through and we've got good youth. He has been unlucky. We against the first game back against Man City, which I'm sure we'll talk a little bit later about that, um, you know, eight minutes for an injury to one of our best performing midfielders, which just kind of ruined our whole game plan. He has been unlucky. Um, But I mean, Arsene Wenger had a time where he had to rely on our youth and, you know, diamonds in the rough, free transfers and, we still managed to get Champions League places. Obviously, the landscape has changed since then, but I think Mikel Arteta, with his knowledge of the Premier League, the knowledge of Arsenal, is better placed than most to deal with that kind of situation. It is, it's not going to be pretty for a while. Um, I still doubt the board... But he seems to, again, be the only saving grace in our football club. And I think if anyone can get through a horrible time in terms of financing and relying on youth instead of quality buys, it will be him. Howard, what's your take on it? What's your take on the Gunners so far under Arteta? And and perhaps a more important question is, do you see him being a success there? And, And kind of how long do you think that might happen? Yeah, well, he gives off the right image of. I think there's a lot of uh, stereotypes about Arsenal. You know, that soft underbelly, and I think the away form. Yeah, you know, the home form's been you know solid for a long time, or much of the time. But they've always been a soft touch on the road, or against other top six sides. And I've always had this stereotype that they you know, they can't defend, which the stats don't really fully back up. But they're not. They've always had. You know, they'll give you a chance in defence. And he, I still worry that the, I'll say worry, <laughs> you know, if it was an Arsenal fan, that they're quite a long way off in defence. I think fullbacks are quite strong, but that central defence still not there. He, I think he has to be ruthless to be a success. I think yeah. he's got it. I think he has got it as a manager. It needs patience for him because there's no way he can just turn the club around in a year. So you have to stick with a, a manager. And if you see, yeah, you've got to look at the long term and just, you've made a decision to appoint him. You can see he does have a philosophy. You know, he's trained with Pepe. He knows his football is tactically sound. You've got to give him time. The question is, if, you know, these things do take money and how much have they got? Uh, Aubameyang's brilliant, but he's not getting any younger, just like Aguero. You know, he'll have to be replaced at some point, even if he does stay. Got some good youth players coming through. Sacco, obviously, uh, wasn't convinced we could do it to be honest. But they'd still, and when you look at that team, it's not you know. There's more. You forget the good players, often like Torreira or Xhaka's started playing well now. It's yeah. there's plenty there, and they've always been good going going forward. You know, there's goals in that side always. He's just has to have the time and the patience, I think. But it has to be supported financially. Uh, I know. The last few months will have hit every club, every club hard. But 
Arsenal are always supposed to have a lot of money in reserve, and I think they need to use it now because ultimately the first step is to get into the Champions League. Because once you do that, you get better players. You know, you can attract better players, and of course, the income from the Champions League itself pays for those players. So I think patience is a key. He's they do seem to take a step forward and a step back, but it's hard to it's hard to judge a team. You know, especially in the last couple of months, and I think I think there's enough signs there that he will be a success eventually, but he'll have to be backed. Yeah, it's whether they can back him. I mean, I look back at it was about eighteen months ago when there was a bit of a reveal of how bad their financial state is, um, where kind of Emery wasn't going to be given any money and he was going to be going to be able to loan players in. Um, I can't see a lot changing in those eighteen months, but. Um, I completely agree with both of you and I completely agree with the fact that if you've got a, a man in Arteta who's looking to implant a vision a, a whole change of direction in the club and really set them in the right path for kind of you know a decade to come you've got to financially back him you've got to invest in that vision but we'll wait and see if, if the money's there um, Jasmine looking ahead to the semi-final this weekend um, who has the capability, capability sorry, to, to really hurt City Who's, who's the informed players right now we should be fearful of? Oh, if you ask me that, like, after the Leicester game, I would be a lot more confident. Right. But <laughs> since the Spurs, <laughs> and even Liverpool, let's be honest, we shouldn't have really won against Liverpool <laughs> in the way we did. You saw, everyone saw the stats, everyone saw the match or the highlights, if you were me, and knocked out. But, um, <laughs> like, uh, it's... It's just a bit worrying at the moment. And you know what? The Spurs match was there for the taking. And I don't know if it's Jose Mourinho's kind of aura about Arsenal teams that he can just drive up and really irritate and somehow keep us out. Or, you know, that causes someone like Kolasinac to just suddenly do a massive error when he's been great all the other games. Um it's really hard to pick a few players. So I, I have to say Bukayo Saka, he has been amazing. Yeah. Um, not only just for Arteta, not only just for the last few matches, it's just he is someone you can get excited about. And I really, out of anyone in that team that can run at a Man City defence, he is one of those players that you're just like, yep, yeah, go on. I think you can do something here because he's just that special. Um, I mean, I before the Spurs game, I've not really looked to see if there's anything more, but um, he had, he was behind uh, Trent Alexander-Arnold and Kevin De Bruyne for assists in all competitions. Right. That's nuts for an 18-year-old who's just come mm. out into a side. Yeah. I mean, the quality of both Trent Alexander-Arnold and Kevin De Bruyne. So you'd want someone like Saka running at a Man City defence. It just depends on what kind of team Arteta puts out because, you know, Kolasinac hasn't really played since, well, there's only been one match since the Spurs match, but Saka can play either left in front of Tierney and behind Aubameyang or to the right, or does he start Pepe? We don't know. I honestly don't want to see Pepe. I honestly don't want to see even Lacazette at the moment, but, you know, He's had three goals in his last four league games. So I guess 
and there's no one else because Nketi is suspended and Martinelli is injured. So that kind of kind yeah. pushes him in there. But um, it's definitely Bukayo Saka for me and then also Kieran Turney. I mean, he probably won't have much to say up trying to create a goal, but stopping Man City's attack, I think, just like he was against Liverpool, will be very influential in the game. Well, I mean, he's certainly one of those players who, for two, three seasons now, it's like, for God's sake, will someone sign him? I mean, I know obviously he's at Celtic and Celtic's <laughs> a huge club, but in terms of the amount of speculation that persisted about in, in, in the Premier League clubs and Arsenal and, and City for a time, you think, won't someone get him? He's clearly an absolute quality left-back. Um, and, and it's an area that City have struggled in and it's an area where City have really missed out on, I think, is he's now proving, you know, what everyone kind of knew anyway, that he's, he's absolute class. Um how would looking at kind of, I mean, the thought of Saka running at our kind of, you know, defence or Zinchenko or other like kind of deeply worries me. What are the matchups that kind of you think will be key? Yeah, I, don't, I would say a direct matchup in that I think both defences right. may be got at because yeah. I think both attacks will be strong. So if this is a boring game, I will be astonished. <laughs> I think there's, I think there's entertainment galore here. I mean, we know Laporte, you know, I would hope he don't pick him in injury the next day, but who plays alongside him? Will he, will he trust Eric Garcia at his age or is Fernandinho is, you know, looks slow during the weeks getting on? No spring chicken like, well, like me anyway. <laughs> Maybe not you two. <laughs> and yeah, there are issues there. You say fullbacks obviously were, doing okay, a bit better. And the good... I, I shouldn't say this. The good news is Bravo's picked up an injury. Yeah, yeah. Because I don't want... I wouldn't wish an injury on you know, anyone. But a minor injury does help the team if Edison plays because, you know, it only just occurred to me when I heard about his injury that he would probably have played. He would have been our FA Cup keeper all the way. Uh, and that would have... Yeah, well, we all know. We all have our thoughts on uh, Bravo, <laughs> uh, but he's still here. So the matchups, I mean, you always say it'll be in midfield, and I think City will probably see more of the ball, so it depends what they do with it. I just think both sides will get plenty of chances, and that who's clinical in front of goal will be the the key to this game, I think. Okay, well, I mean, it stands to reason to say that it's an important game for both clubs. I mean, it's an FA Cup semi-final, for goodness sake, but... <laughs> Jasmine, why is it so important to Arsenal this game? I don't think we have much else than that we've got, do we? Um, quite obvious. I don't think we're going to get into Europe unless... Um, well, we can't get into the Champions League anymore, even mm. though whoever was thinking that still might have need their brain checked. Um <laughs> Yeah, Europe looks pretty low for a low chance for us to get in. And I said in March, which seems like 15 years ago, um, that a nice FA Cup run would do me quite actually quite happily as a fan, as well as a writer. I mean, I coming into a club that's kind of in chaos and getting to an FA Cup final, especially with the calibre of the team still in it, is quite a big achievement for your debut season as a 
uh, senior manager, really. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and as I said, there's not much else going on. I mean, the higher we finish, the better. If we get into Europa League, that means that we can still attract talent. But in the very real chance that we we won't make it, then we can only do with silverware and look, we still win things. We can still get the money from this kind of thing. And looking on the stats, it looks like whoever wins this one is going to win the whole tournament. Um, it's either you beat Arsenal in the semi-final and you win the t- tournament yourself, yes. which has been going on since like the start of the 20th century yeah. or Arsenal beats you and just wins because we really like that FA Cup I, I couldn't believe it I, I looked into that earlier and um, I was looking at memorable FA Cup semi-finals and every time Arsenal were involved there was kind of some kind of wonder goal against them you know like Gaza for example or Giggs and, and then the team would go on to win the tournament so yeah I, I wasn't even aware of that till earlier um, so yeah that, that is a further motivation for City I guess particularly with United still in the tournament as well oh. I'm still fuming from the last semi-final between Arsenal City when that was the last time that Arsenal won. Yeah, <laughs> that disallowed yeah. goal. Yeah, before half time. So. Yeah, I mean certainly if you look at you know the kind of historic form between the two clubs in the last few years, um, you know City have come out on top. I think we've won the last seven games. Yeah, um, and the last time was Arsenal. You know, got well got got the win was in the last semi-final. But yeah, I remember that. That was a horrible day. That was it. Really was. Mm. Yeah, uh, don't worry, we've got VAR now, which can always be relied on to give the right answer. Um, can, can I just say about that, the 3-0 a few weeks ago, I think counts for absolutely nothing, because it was essentially the community shield of the restarting. Yes, but, it was. You know, it's it was. two teams, go, and as you see, yeah, obviously there was two early injuries to Arsenal, it was just a... Important. It was, stra- it was strange. Everything was strange about that night anyway. So Yeah, it was really strange. Like, who gets an injury after eight minutes? Well, Arsenal obviously <laughs> do. But then to put David Louise in a back four and it just went into comical levels too quickly. Even too quickly for me, who's used to it. Yeah. <laughs> well, well, that's it. I mean, it should have been nil-nil at half-time, but that changed the whole game. But, but yeah, I mean, Sergio Aguero was... Seemed to be gaming for three months, and then as soon as he got the football field, he's injured. So depends what they were getting up to in the lockdown, really. Well, in those opening eight minutes, Arsenal looked much the better side. I mean, they created, I think, three chances in those first eight minutes or first mm. kind of fifteen minutes. Um, so, but looking ahead to this weekend, Howard, from a City perspective, I've missed what Pep Guardiola said today. There's something to do with him retracting a comment and saying that the FA Cup's an historic tournament. Or something. Are you aware of it? I'm not now. No, I've so. been working, so I've, I've totally missed out. But apparently, from reading between the lines, he said something about the FA Cup being a, you know, a lesser important trophy compared to the others. And um, But I guess that is true, isn't it? I mean, we've got Champions League to still go for. Um, how important is, it, is this to City? It's a trophy. I mean, <laughs> it's more important than the Carabao Cup. I mean, it's the third most important, so... But, mm. We have nothing. Yeah, you know, the league's done with finishing second. Yeah. So it, you don't have to really worry about its its ranking because it's not as if we've got other games around it that we have to prioritize. Well, exactly. Yes. I yeah. mean, we're three. What are we? Three weeks away from the Champions League. The league's done. The Carabao Cup's obviously finished. There's no need to rank it. It's the FA Cup. But yeah, you know, I've said it's every preview I do since a kid. You know, I've just this has been such an important 
competition for me. Yeah, it's just part of uh, of English football. It's ingrained, uh, and when we go out, you know, any time we go out of it, it really hurts. It really hurts. Doesn't matter if we win everything else. It just still, you know, a dagger through my heart when we don't win when we go out of the FA Cup. So yeah, it means a lot to me. Yeah, he'll he'll know it's not the be all and end all that his time at City will not be judged by winning the FA Cup. But we've been. We've won it twice, but the, you know, in the last ten years, but we've been had some terrible results, <laughs> exits, you know, all the other years. Wicked. So it has Usually. been disrespected by all our managers, I think. But of course, this journey the last ten years started with the FA Cup. It started with beat United and then Stoke, and yeah, for me, it's it's a big thing uh, in an empty stadium. I don't know; it's just surreal, and maybe not. Maybe nothing means as much at the moment, but. The FA Cup will always mean something to me. Yeah, yeah well, I mean, this is going to be a big test of... I've, I've been pleasantly surprised at how invested I've been in, in football since it's come back. I was very much against it coming back. I didn't think, you know, it, it would work. And yet, for me, it has. But this is a real big test, I think, because, you know, it's an FA Cup semi-final. And if it doesn't feel right, if it feels a bit weird, then, you know, that's going to... You know, that feeling is going to be intensified because you know how big this game is and how big this game should be. Um, okay, let's end on on a bit of fun. Um, well, let's start with you, Howard. If you could take one player from Arsenal's lineup this this Saturday and transplant them into City's team, who would it be? Oh, uh, Aubameyang. I knew you were going to say Aubameyang. <laughs> well, I mean, yeah, it just goes back to the profligacy that we've we've mentioned. That I've had to <laughs> I've had to practice pronouncing that word all season. We've said it so many times, so. It's just, you know, that passing it around, that lack of, and obviously with Sergio Aguero, even worse. Yeah. We need that killer in the penalty area. We really do. Yeah, we need a, I mean, or do we, you know, I mean, we've got five players that got into double figures. I mean, it's not the most obvious thing. We're not desperate for it, but really, you know, someone who could put the ball away would be the thing that would, I think, you know, and he's, he's no slouch either, you know, pace-wise would be uh, something that really could fit into this squad quite easily. Yeah. Uh, I did used to work with Rob Holding's dad as well, so I really should choose him, but <laughs> I'm afraid of Bamiang must take more <laughs> priority over that. So, Well, the same question goes to you, Jasmine, and I think I want to guess, I can guess who, who it is. Go on, guess. Is it I the No, actually, if you asked me probably before this year on the season, Mm. I would have said Aguero every single time. I have been absolutely jealous for the last nine (laughs) years that you bought Sergio Aguero for around 20 to 30 million. I watched him in the 2010 World Cup. I watched him at Atletico Madrid. And the fact that you got him that amount of money has angered me <laughs> to this day. I absolutely love him. I've loved him since then. I I feel he was absolutely perfect for that role as a clinical goal scorer under Arsenal. And he did just that for Man City and has been doing that. And I think he's one of one of because obviously Thierry Henry mm. striker best strikers in the league mm. and 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 I just absolutely adore him. It's it's a joke. <laughs> but now that we're he's past his peak and, you know, he doesn't see as much 
playing time as he used to. Um, he still loves to score many goals against us as well. Um, <laughs> <He does. I> do <laughs> every single time. Uh, probably uh, Laporte, actually. Really? Well, it makes sense, yeah. Yeah, Yeah. I, I mean, De Bruyne is obviously very good and obviously good. Oh, no, actually, what am I talking about? I need to go for Raheem Sterling. I love Raheem Sterling, too. <laughs> right. I, Hang on, yeah. you're now taking three of our players. <laughs> uh, okay, after a grow, I'm going Raheem Sterling. I mean, we we I like we obviously need better defenders, and I think that's quite an easy go-to for an Arsenal fan. We've always kind of shouted loud and proud that we need better defenders, and especially ball-playing defenders who can actually also defend. Mm. But um, in terms of how we're performing at the moment, we need someone who's direct and can actually create something which we've really lacked and um, since Arsene Wenger left and uh Raheem Sterling's from the same area as I am I've always been a big fan um I think he left Liverpool for the right reasons when he went to City and he's just a class player and I think that it's someone that could really do a creative number and an Arsenal team that's kind of lacking in that kind of sense. Well, Jasmine, if you hadn't endeared yourself to the majority of City fans tuning in today, you certainly have now. <laughs> <laughs> hey, there's, there's plenty criticising him most of the season. Yeah, that's true. That he's true. only got a he's only got one league assist this season, Raheem Sterling, which yeah. is bizarre. But he's on course to break his own scoring record, I think. And he's not had the perfect season. You know, he's had his problems before the lockdown. Uh, which goes to show how high his ceiling could be, really. So. That's I it. think yeah. a, a lot of the tactics do rely on him cutting in from the left, and mm. once a team figures that out, they can easily shut him out, which has kind of affected his game. If he's in the right area, he will score, but kind of assisting other teammates where he was before has kind of lacked. Well, he's always We've debated many times that you know, moving him to the right might actually be... Well, thing. yeah, we have a listener who basically every week tweets us with, with, with this. But he always fascinates me. Hello, Mike. Hello, Mike. <laughs> don't, <laughs> don't feel you have to tweet us this time because I've mentioned it. So, <laughs> but um, he always fascinates me, Raheem, because he's very much one of those players who he can be anonymous for kind of 20, 30 minutes, get subbed, and you approve of a substitution because he's been quiet. But then you really miss him when he's not there. You really miss what what he brings to the team, and, and a lot of times, kind of in a you know unnoticed way. But um, right, well, thank you very much for that. Let's, let's let's wrap it up and kind of um, look forward to a really good weekend's football. Thank you very much for joining me today, Jasmine. It's been an absolute pleasure. Cheers, thank you. And thank you as always, Howard. A pleasure. I hope it's all right as a as a standing. <laughs> You you were more than adequate, yes. <laughs> yeah, the relief. Uh, tomorrow will feel strange, and with no atmosphere, it will probably feel a touch underwhelming. We will have to remind ourselves of what's at stake, but we only have to think back to Paul Power's free kick in 1981, or Yaya to side United, or Tony Adams thumping home a header in 93 to break Tottenham hearts, and it will all come flooding back. What this means, what's on the line, how close we are to immortality. Remember watching the FA Cup semis as kids? Nothing's changed but time and circumstance. Let's hope for a cracker, everyone, and forever up the blues. <laughs>